Today we're going to start at the very, very first line of Daf Lamid Vav Amud Aleph in Masechet Yerovin because we finished it very, very quickly because there were people coming in and we just didn't get to wrap it up properly. So Avama, the question was, you have here a uh, seeming contradiction because with regard to Eruv, we have that uh, Rebbe Meir, in the case of a Safek of Eruv, <coughs> Rebbe Meir was, uh, Rebbe Meir and Rebbe Yossi had a machloket and... Uh, and Rabbi Meir was being stringent, and Rabbi Yossi was being lenient. And then the question was, why was it that, uh, with regard to uh, with regard to the case, the question was with regard to a case that we had, where a person touches somebody at night and doesn't know if they touched a live person or a dead person, and they turn out dead in the morning. Rabbi Meir was lenient. He said mitaher, but uh, but uh, but when it came to the erovitz safik, whether it was good. Uh, he's, he says it's not good. So why is he uh, why is he make a distinction? And so we had what, one answer was given on the bottom of Lamed Hayam Mudbet, and then we had a second answer, which was the uh, the, the the answer that was given on Lamed Hayam Mudbet was that there were two different sets of witnesses that were uh, in disagreement with each other, and so therefore, since one, one said that the uh, truma the truma that he used for the eruv became tamei. Uh, before uh, before Shabbat started, and the other one said that it was after Shabbat already started, so the eruv was already in effect. And since you had a machloket between the two, so it kind of undermines the cheskat uh, kashrut of the uh, of the or the cheskat tarav the truma, the assumption of the of the of purity, and therefore um, and therefore uh, Rabbi Meir was stringent. That was the answer on the bottom of Lamed Hayam Mudbet. That once you undermine that presumption of innocence, so to speak, by having even one set of witnesses, even if they're contradicted by another set of witnesses, it's already cast into doubt. So he says that uproots the uh, the cheskat tara. So you can't say that the chuma has a, a presumption of being tahor anymore, and that's why he was more stringent in the case of chuma that you don't know exactly when it became tamei. That he'll say that the that the eruv is no good. That was on lamed hayamud bet. But lamed alafamud alif, we didn't really get to explore this answer. Second answer, lamed vav amud alif says ravamar hatam that over there there are two presumptions of uh, positive presumptions and here there's only one in other words in the case of the um, the touching of the person and you don't know whether the person is alive or dead so you actually have two uh, presumptions over there because number one you have the presumption that the person is that the person who touched is tahor he up till that point he was pure but you also have the fact that the person was, has, a, has a presumption that they were alive until proven otherwise, right? So you don't have to assume negative. Here we only have one leniency. In other words, the only thing, the only presumption that we have to rely upon is that the, that the trauma was pure. And therefore, since you have a dispute between sets of witnesses when it became impure... Um, that one presumption is uprooted by the fact that you have a dispute among witnesses. But Rashi says, In other words, Rabbi Meir is going to be lenient even if you have two, witnesses, two sets of witnesses that argue with each other about whether the person was alive or dead when you touched them. Because there you have two chazakot. Why? Rashi explains. The person who did the touching had a cheskat tarah. The person who was alive has a chazak, has a presumption that he's alive until proven otherwise. So even if you have two contradictory sets of witnesses, we don't have to use their testimony to impugn 
any of the uh, presumptions that we have, and that's why he was more lenient. But in the case of Chuamad, the only question is, when did it become Tamei? And if so you have two contradictory sets of witnesses, you, you can't really call it a presumption anymore. That's what Rabbi Meir is saying. Rabbi Yossi says, once you have two contradictory sets of witnesses, we just throw that out. We just throw the testimony out. So we're back with our presumption of purity of the Chuamad. But then we have a question. Rabbi Yossi is in contradiction with himself. Right, because we saw before that, um, and we have to, because in our uh, Mishnah, what does he say? He says that, uh, that, uh, the, the, that when you have Tuma that became Tamei and you don't know when it happened, you can assume the best and you can assume that the Eruv is good. But when it came to a person who goes to the Mikveh, we said the Rebiyosi is mit Tamei, that if the person is not sure whether they went to the Mikveh or not, Right? We have to say that, the, you know, like he doesn't know if he went to the mikveh or not. Or he doesn't know if, you, if the mikveh was full or not. Or he doesn't know, there were two mikveh and he doesn't know which one he went in. We said, when it's a biblical tum'ah, you have to do it over again. Because when it's a rabbinic tum'ah, you don't have to do it over again. But Rabbi Yossi said, no, mitame, you have to do it over again. So the, so the question is, why over there when it comes to tum'ah, Rabbi Yossi with the doubt is stringent? But over here, in other words, they switch, right? Rabbi Yossi is stringent with regard to the Tum'ah, but he's uh, lenient with regard to the Eruv. Why? So it says, The difference is that Tum'ah, even rabbinic Tum'ah, has a basis in the Torah because the rabbis came along and made stringencies in order to safeguard the Doraita. There's a biblical basis, right? Whereas Eruv is created by the rabbis. It says, really? But Shabbat Nami Deoraita, what are you talking about? Shabbat is also an Isur Deoraita. The, the prohibitions of Shabbat are also found in the Torah. It says, no, Kasav Rabbi Yossi, Tchumin Derabanan. Rabbi Yossi holds that the whole concept of Tchum, of a limit and walking outside a certain uh, area, is only rabbinic. And therefore, he says, there is no basis in the Torah for it. It's all rabbinic, and that's where we can be lenient. But when it comes to Tum'ah, even rabbinic Tum'ah, he's going to say, look, uh, once you're dealing with the category of Tum'ah to start distinguishing between rabbinic Tum'ah and biblical Tum'ah this, it's going to get confusing. People are going to make a mistake. Vibaitim, alternatively, it could be that one reflects his own opinion and one, in other words, he himself is stringent even in a safik de Rabbanan, even on Eruv, he would have been stringent. But one is his rabbi and one is himself. Because he himself says, He was reporting it in the name of somebody else. Of Tulmus said that a doubtful Eruv is kasher. Maybe he himself doesn't say that. He himself says, no, I agree with you. Anything that's connected to a biblical institution, whether it be Shabbat or whether it be Tum'ah, you have to be stringent even when it comes to a doubt. But, uh, but I, ha- I heard a tradition that it's kasher. Shema Mina, you could see from that that it wasn't his own opinion. His own opinion is to be stringent and maybe even holds that Tuchum has a biblical basis on some level, but he's still going, so he's going to be stringent about the status of the Eruv, just like he's stringent about the status of the person who went to the mikven isn't sure whether he went or not. He's going to be stringent in both. I'll give you a different reason. Rabbi says, I don't like that answer. I'm going to give you a different reason. This is the reason why Rabbi Yossi because there's a difference. Because when it comes to the Eruv, the Eruv was, was innocent until proven guilty. It was good Eruv. We don't know when it became Tamei. But the guy who is Tamei and comes to the Mikveh, if we also assume the status quo, what do you get? He's still Tamei. Right? In other words, if you have a pure thing and you assume status quo, that's good. If you have an impure guy that comes and he says, I don't know if I went to the mikveh or not. Okay, status quo is you're impure then. Right? If you're not sure if you washed your hands or not, the status quo is you didn't wash. Right? If you're not sure, you didn't wash. 
That's the thing. Adorabah, not go the other way. Hamidr mikveh chesketo ve'emelo chaser. Why can't you say the other way? Say he went into the mikveh, and the mikveh had a, had a presumption of being a good mikveh. So why, and later on it's found to have, be a bad mikveh. It was missing water. So why don't you assume at the time he went in, it was still good. Well, in other words, if we're dealing with presumptions of status quo, assume that the mikveh was good until now. It says, There was a mikveh that wasn't checked. It hadn't been measured. So therefore, it didn't have an official stamp on it that said, this is a 100% kosher mikveh. So the fact that we found afterwards that it was less than 40 sahab water, we don't know when that situation actually developed. So we have to assume the worst because it never had an official certification that it was good. And since this guy has a presumption that he is Tameh, you can't remove it just because maybe I went to the mikveh or maybe the mikveh was good. That won't be enough. And that's why over there by the Tumai is going to be strict. By the Erov will be lenient. Okay, Daniel, we said in the bright, the Ketanam Rabbi Yossi, Safek Erov Kasher. When did Rabbi Yossi say that a doubtful Erov is going to be Kasher Erov? If he uses Truma, and you're allowed to use Truma, even a non-Kohen is allowed to use Truma actually for his Erov. He puts it at the spot, Right? So he doesn't know whether, it be, he finds in the morning there's a uh, sheretz on it. He doesn't know when it came. Did the sheretz, dead sheretz go on there before Shabbat started or once Shabbat had already started? If it was before Shabbat started, there was never an eruv because that means the truma was tmei'ah. Can't be eaten, it's inedible, and it's not a good eruv. However, if it happened on Shabbat, then it's okay because actually at the moment Shabbat started, the eruv was chal already, it went into effect already, and it doesn't matter what happens to the food after that. Right? So it says, Similarly, if you have fruit that was tevel, it was untithed produce that you used. And we don't know, was it tithed before Shabbat, in which case it would be good, or did, it, or did the Trumah get taken out after Shabbat already started, even though you're not supposed to, right? In which case it would be not good because it didn't happen on, on, in time, right? That we can say is a safek eruv is kasher. We know that it was, we know what the, uh, we, we don't know when the change occurred, okay? Very interesting distinction he makes. But if you took a loaf that was a safik, if it was truma or not, or if it was tame or not, or you took fruit that it was a safik if they had maser taken from that, that's not a safik eruv. You see the difference? It actually makes a lot of sense. In other words, that's a safik about the loaf, whether it's tame or taor. It's not a safek about Eruv. If you have an item that was tahor and you put it there, and now it's Tameh and you don't know when it became Tameh, your question is actually about Eruv. Because if it, you know that the thing is Tameh now, right? The question is, when did it become Tameh? And the only relevance of that is to the Eruv. I put it there before Shabbat. Did, it, did this Tum'ah come before the Eruv took effect or after it already took effect? And then I don't care. That's an issue of Eruvin. But if I come with an item that may already be trumat me'ah and put it there, I can't say, oh, it's a safek eruv. No, it's not a safek eruv. It's a safek whether that's even good trumat or not. That's a different safek. Right? So it says, It's a little bit strange, the two cases in the Mishnah, in, in the Brayta, because in the case of trumat, he says, keep it at the status quo and say it's Torah. Say it's pure. Keep it at the status quo. Right? And that's why, since you don't know exactly when the Tum'ah happened, assume it, it's still good. But then it says Perot. You don't know when the Perot had the Tum'ah removed from that. If you don't know when the, when the Tum'ah had the, uh, when the uh, Tevil had Maser removed from it, so you should also assume the worst. You should also assume that it was, uh, that it was not removed at all. 
right? Because if you're always assuming status quo stays the same, as long as, until you have further information, you always assume status quo remains the same. So when it comes to truma, you can assume that the, the purity extends as long as, until proven otherwise. So that's also true that the tevil status should continue until proven otherwise. So why are you assuming leniently by tevil? That doesn't make any sense to assume leniently by tevil. If it, you're, because tevil, uh, uh, assuming the status quo is bad. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, with the truma, I'm going to assume the status quo until as long as possible. So then also with the tevil, say, you assume the status quo as long as possible and the truma probably got separated on Shabbat. Why, should, why are you taking both ways? It says, That's a totally different thing. In other words, what he means is that uh, he says, What's does that mean? That means that we're not talking about produce that didn't have truma and maser taken from it. We're talking about produce that had truma mixed into it or tevel mixed into it and nidme'u means it became prohibited okay that makes sense in other words you had fruit that you put there you had food that you put there for the eruv eruv tchumin and at some point illegal food got mixed into it maybe it was truma maybe it was tevel whatever it was got mixed into it you don't know when that happened if it happened before Shabbat started so your food was already quote unquote not kosher before Shabbat started, so your Eruv never took effect. If it happened on Shabbat, then you, your Eruv already took effect, so you're good. Now, if that makes much more sense, because in that case, what you're doing is you're saying, keep the status quo that is positive, that the food was kasher, as long as possible. And when did this mishap occur? It happened on Shabbat. It also makes more sense because why would you have a suffix whether somebody separated Truman Shabbat, which you're not allowed to do, right? So it's a strange case anyway. It makes more sense this way that he meant keep the status quo as long as possible. Now, Bavrav Shmuel Barav Yitzchak Miravuna, Hayu Lavav Shteki Rod Achat Torah Vamar, Eruvuli Betorah Bechol Makom Shehi. What if the person had two loaves? One is Tahor and one is Tamei. And he doesn't know which is which. He has two breads. One loaf of bread is tahor, one is tamay. They're both truma. So which, the one that's, ta, that's tamay, truma tamay, you can only burn it. You can't, you can't eat it. Nobody can eat it. Not a kohen, not a regular person. So he has the two loaves. He doesn't know which is which. And he just says, you know, whichever one it is, is the eruv. I'll put them both here. What difference does it make? One of these is, I, I don't have to know which one it is. I'll put both loaves there and say whichever one it is. Now he says, is that good? What? It's a, that's a whole other thing. Let's not get into it. Well, 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 let's see. Let's see. You don't have to eat it. That's true. But it's a question for both Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi. What do you do? Because maybe Rabbi Meir, even though Rabbi Meir before said, if you're not sure whether this thing was Tamei when Shabbat started, you, you have to assume the worst. But here, at least you have something that you know is tahor. You just don't know which one it is. So maybe that would be better. Or on the other hand, it could be bad. Even according to Rabbi Yossi. Because even Rabbi Yossi, In other words, over there, Rabbi Yossi says, Listen, we can be lenient and assume that the thing was tahor as long as possible. At least I can identify what I'm talking about. This loaf, I'm not sure what it became Tamei. But I assume it was Tahor. But here you're starting from the beginning with one that was Tamei and you don't even know which one it is. 
So maybe unidentifiable is not good. He said it doesn't work according to Rabbi Meir or according to Rabbi Yossi. According to both of them, this would be bad. Because even though you don't have to eat the Erev Tchumin, it has to be something you could have eaten. Somebody could have eaten on Erev Shabbat. And since nobody knows which one, which one of these loaves is Tamei and which one is Tahor, one of them is Tamei, one is Tahor, nobody knows. So therefore, nobody in the world is allowed to eat either of them because they're not sure which one is which. They definitely can't eat the one that's Tumat Tamei'an. They can't eat the other one because they don't know. So, they, so nobody would be able to eat it. And it has to be at least capable of being eaten. That's the problem. So when you have a loaf and you don't know when it became Tamei, at least when it was Tahor, you know it could have been eaten. You just don't know when it became Tamei. That's a different question. When we, from the beginning, nobody could eat it. And, and what you do in that case, if you ask, is that you have to leave it till it goes bad, basically. You have to leave it till it gets ruined because you can't burn it because you might be burning the Tumat that's good. Right? And you can't, uh, so, and you can't eat it because you might be eating a Tumat that's Tamei'ah. So you just have to leave it till it gets spoiled and then they end up burning both of them in the end. But What if a person says, this, this loaf today is going to be chol and lemachar kodesh. Tomorrow it's going to be sanctified. Okay? And he says, uh, does Rashi explain here? Before Shabbat. So he says, Kikarzo Rashi says, Amal kikar achat be'erev Shabbat hayom yechol ulemachar yekodesh. Right? And he says to the guy, make my Eruv out of this. Okay? So it says, Eruvuli bazemau. What's the status of that? He says, Amale Eruvo Eruv? No problem. Because why? Today is Friday. That's when you're making the Eruv. Well, we'll see, we'll see. The Eruv is for now. Right? You're making it now. Now, on the other hand, Hayom Kodesh Ulemachar Chol. What if he says, right now I want to make this loaf holy? Tomorrow it's going to be Chol. Why? How could it be make be Chol? Because I'm going to redeem it on money. I, I, I want to make it. Kodesh right now, on Friday, and on Shabbat, the, the sanctity is going to transfer to the money that I have over here, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be chol. So, but can you do that on Shabbat? You said it before Shabbat. You're just saying it's going to take effect on Shabbat. You, anything that you could say, a tanai, take effect on Shabbat. You say Kodesh, yeah. So he said, so he says, that's no good. So in the case where he said, this is Chol today, it's going to be Kodesh tomorrow, meaning it's going to become Kodesh on Shabbat, that's good. But if he says it's going to be Kodesh now, it's going to be Chol on Shabbat, that's not good. Why? So Maishna, what's the difference? This is a, this is a, uh, a, a saying in the Gemara, which means, don't ask me dumb questions. Literally, it means, go eat a lot of salt, and then and you'll find the answer. Meaning, you're wasting my time. It's obvious. This is what they say when they think it's obvious. Hayom kodesh. If you say today is chol, today it's going to be mundane and it becomes kodesh on Shabbat. Misfeka lo So from doubt, the kedusha doesn't rest upon it. In other words, you said this is going to become holy tomorrow, right? And that was the first case. So therefore, what? It doesn't become holy until the until it's definitely Shabbat, and at that moment, the eruv already took effect because it takes effect of benashmashot. It takes effect between sunset and 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 uh, and nightfall. So actually by the time it became Kodesh, the Eruv was already in effect. Right? On the other hand, Hayom Kodesh Ulmachal if you say now is holy and tomorrow is going to be Chol on Shabbat, Misfekalo Pak Alek Dushate, since right now you said it's holy, so what's definite is the holiness of it. So we're not gonna remove its holiness until 
it's definitely Shabbat. And at that point, you already passed the time to establish the Eruv, because the Eruv has to be established by Benesh Mashot. So that's, it makes perfect sense. In other words, in a case where we, this, it's a status quo issue again. How do you change? When does the status quo change? Status quo changes at Tzetek Kochavim when it's definitely night, nightfall. So when the status quo was Chol, so that's good because it's not going to change to holy until the moment that the Eruv would have taken effect, which is right before Shabbat is officially on. Right. Right? On the other hand, if it was Kodesh already, it's Kodesh up to the last second that... Uh, that the Eruv could have been in effect and then it only becomes Chol once Shabbat is fully in and then it's too late to make the Eruv so therefore you missed the opportunity to make the Eruv. Now we learned over there. Uh, right? So it says if you have a, a Lagin is like a type of a pitcher right that was Tvul Yom it was brought to the Mikveh that day uh, but it hasn't, ha- hasn't uh, had its uh, nightfall afterwards. We know that Tavul Yom, that's something that goes to the Mikveh that day, but it ha- also has to wait till nightfall, right? And they put in, um, they put some Maser Tevil. Maser Tevil is, um, Maser is given to the Levi, but the Levi still has to take from it Trumat Maser, which is given to the Kohen. So it, technically it's still called Tevil in a certain way, because if I give the, if I take my 10% and I give it to the Levi, the Levi now has obligation to take 10% of that and give it to the Kohen. So it's still a type of a Tevel. He can't eat it really till he does that. Now, he, now the, the Levi is being a good guy. He doesn't want the Chuma to become Tamei. So he says, I, now Maser doesn't matter. Maser doesn't have to be, uh, right? So he says, I only want the Chuma to be declared because the, the, the Maser will not become Tamei from, uh, from the vessel that's at Vulyom. Because it's, it's only really considered Chulim. It's not considered to be called any kind of Kedushah. It's not sensitive to Tum'ah on that level. But Trumah would become Tamei from a Tvulyom. So he says, I only want it to become Trumah tonight. Then when that higher level of requirement for Tum'ah comes into place, the vessel will already be Tahor. Because the night has fallen, right? Because it needed night. This picture went to the mikveh today. It will not, it is Tevul Yom, because it went to the mikveh today. It will not be fully torn until tonight. Oh. I don't want the trauma to be declared in what's in it, because if I declare the trauma, then it will become trauma to oh, so The master is inside the... the inside the picture. But he doesn't want it to become Tamei. It will become Tamei from a Tevul Yom. He wants to wait till the day is over. It's not a Tevul Yom anymore. So he does it in a, in a uh, legal way. He doesn't separate the Chuma until nightfall. He can put the liquid into the pitcher. That won't, make, that won't be a problem because the Maser cannot receive Tum'ah from a Sheni Tum'ah because it's too low of a level of Tum'ah for Maser. Maser is not holy. Even but if he declares Tum'ah, then it will become Tamei. So therefore he puts the, the substance in there and he says, I want it to be Tum'ah tonight because tonight at the moment it becomes dark, that Kli is now Totally tahor, and then if it separates to, to the truma, it will be totally tahor. It will be fine. That's what he wants to do. Now it says, "Dvarav kayamin." It's fine. What if he took it and he said, "Make an eruv out of this for me," meaning at, at that moment it's and lo amar klum. He has not said anything. Now why is he lo amar klum? Because as long as he hasn't separated truma from that food, he cannot use it because it's still tevel for the for the levi. It's still tevel. He's not allowed to eat it. Till he separates the truma. So the fact is that since he said I want it to be cut, the truma to be separated at nightfall, after the, after the truma was separated, it would be fine to use the, the rest of it 
as um, as an eruv, but the problem is he can't do that because by the time it's nightfall and it becomes Chumat, it's already Shabbat, right? Until the last minute, it's a, it was Tevet. So he wasn't able to do it. So it says, Amarava Zot Omeret, Sof Ayom Kone Eruv. This shows you that the end of the day is when Eruv takes place. In other words, meaning nightfall. Rashi says, Tchilat Ben Ashmashot Shu Sof Ayom Erev Shabbat, Shkiyat Achama. Right? Sunset is the moment that Eruv takes effect because you see that uh, at that moment it was still Tevil and therefore it says Sofayom Kone Eruv and since we would have to look at the food at the moment of sunset and say what's the status it's still going to be considered Tevil because it didn't come to nightfall yet so it's not going to work because if you're going to say the beginning of the day meaning the beginning of the following day meaning nightfall of Friday night not sunset of Friday because sunset of Friday is called, is called uh, Sofayom because it's Sofayom of Yom Shishi Right, Tchilat is, let's say, 30, 40 minutes later at Tzeta Kochavim, Tchilat of Shabbat. Right, it says, if you're going to say that's when it starts, so then you're going to have this, Tchilat Yom Kone Eruv, right? If you're going to say that, then, Then it should actually work to use an Eruv then. Why? Because, it, right, because the Benesh Mashod says, if you're going to say that the Eruv doesn't come into effect until the very beginning of the, of the Shabbat day, right, at the very last moment, so that's the very moment that the Tevil is also uh, being removed, because he said that he wanted the, te- the Trumat to be separated at the nightfall. So if that's the moment when the Eruv is also established, so then it works perfect, it should be simultaneous. It should be simultaneous then, it should be good. So it says, ah, so you must see that the Eruv actually is only Chal and only takes effect at Shkia. Not at Tzedek Ochavim. He says, Don't go so far. You can't prove it. Could be that actually Tzedek Ochavim is the moment when the Eruv takes place. But the only thing is, Eruv, right? But going back to the concept we said before, it has to be something that at the begin, at the, before sunset was Ra'uila Achila, was Ra'uila Suda. It has to be something that could have been the meal. It could have been eaten. Right? Well, so, since it could not be eaten at the beginning, even though you worked out this technical, legal uh, thing, even if you're going to say that at the last moment, that's really when the Eruv takes effect officially, since we have a rule that it has to be a food that was edible before sunset, and in this case it was not because it was still tevil until, night, until nightfall, even if, technically speaking, the Eruv takes effect at the very last minute, at Tzeta Kochavim, still, when you set the Eruv on Erev Shabbat, it was not edible. And therefore, it wouldn't be acceptable. So either way, you, so you can't prove... You, don't worry about that. You're just going to mess up mess everyone's head if we talk about Rebbeinu Tam. Just Tzeta Kochavim and Shkia, whatever that time is. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40, 72, 90... Whatever you like. It's an opinion that Ben Ashmashot is scared of Ayn. Right. Which is almost like a blink of an eye. Right, right, momentary, yeah. It doesn't change anything still? Well, according to that, you would be able to, I mean, according to Rabbi Yossi, who says, Ben Ashmashot is of Ayn, Zin Ichnas V'Yotzev, Yavshal Amod Alavetz. So according to that, you would probably have a very short, you know, you could set the Eruv much later, because according to him, you know, most of what we call Benesh Mashot are going to Rabbi Yossi is still daytime. Yeah. Anyway, the Mishnah says, adam al A person can make a condition on his Eruv and say as follows, 
if the invading Gentiles <laughs> come from the east, the last thing I have to worry about is Eruv Tchumin, but okay. If they come from the east, my Eruv is to the west, so I can escape. If they come from the west, I'm going to escape to the east. If they're coming from both directions, then I'll go whichever way I decide. Now, some people interpret it as a negative. He's running away. Some people say, no, he's going out to greet them because important people. We'll see. And if they don't come to either one, then neither of these Eruvin is good. So in other words, he puts an Eruv Tchumin on both sides. You can't have both. We know that. You can't have 2,000 Amot outside the city extended in both directions. But you can put an Eruv at the Tchum on one side and an Eruv at the on the other side and say, I'm making a condition. Whichever one I want... Uh, on Shabbat, I'll go for or neither of them. You can make it tonight. Okay. Let the Gemara do its work. Don't do the work for the Gemara. Okay. Now, let's say similarly and more positive thing. Don't worry about the the, the Gentile attacker. Let's say Chacham is coming. Right now, if he comes from the east, it will be the Mizrach. Then I want to go to the east so I can go to see the Chacham. Mina Marav, it will be Marav. If he, if he comes to the west, I want to go to the west. If there's a chacham on both sides, I'll decide in the morning which one I want to go. So I'm going to make a tnai retroactively, basically. The Gemara is going to discuss retroactive thing. But if, if, that I'll decide on Shabbat. If he doesn't show up on either one, then I'm going to be like the people of my city and I don't have any roof um, because if, he's, if he chooses one direction, it limits him on the other side, right? So Rabbi Yehuda says, if one of them is his rabbi, so Rabbi Yehuda saying, no, there's one automatic function. If one of them is your actual teacher, where it's a mitzvah to actually go to your teacher, so then you can't say, I'm going to decide which one. No, whichever one your teacher comes to, that's the one that's going to take effect whether you like it or not, right? Now, uh, if they're both his rabbis, so then the makom yelech. In other words, Rabbi Yehuda is saying that if one of them has his relationship with you, so then automatically that eruv is going to be take effect. You can't leave it up uh, up in the air. But if they're both your rabbis, then you have a choice. Now, kiyata Rabbi Yitzchak tane ipcha. So, so Rabbi Yitzchak had the opposite that it said if the if the Gentiles are coming from the west, my eruv will be to the west, and if my if the if the Gentiles are coming from the east, it'll be to the east. Instead of the opposite direction, like we have. So, kulamat nitin kashya. The whole thing is difficult. Nochrim anochrim, kashya chacham chacham. Right? So, in other words, they're both. Kashya nochrim anochrim, kashya chacham chacham. In other words, in his version, when it talked about the non-Jews, it said going towards them. And when it talked about the chacham, it talked going away. Now, I understand that one. He doesn't want to hear the long speech. He's going the other way. He said, oh, he's going to that shul? I go to the other shul. That uh, makes sense. The other one is more difficult. So, it says, ah, so nochrim anochrim la kashya. One is talking about Haragavna, our people, who are going to give you trouble. I guess, I assume that means like either they're tax collectors or they are, what does Rashid say? Yeah, Gabayah Hamas. Because it says like, it sounds like, uh, uh, you know, the Gvot. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's to collect, right? So it's saying if it's a tax collector who wants to go to the other way, if it's important, you know, dignitaries who wants to go towards it, right? So what? Why? In one case, would it say he wants to go to the chacham one run away? So if it's the if it is the people who are teaching, so he would want to go to the shiur. Let's say he goes. Right? Here, the, the other one is the people who are teaching the Shema. What does that mean? The people who teach the kids. And the Farshim say that, you know, probably he has a bill, you know, outstanding tuition bill. He doesn't want to see that rabbi. <laughs> the rabbi that teaches the kids, he says, I'll go to the other way. So, see, some things they never change, you know? 
if it's the rabbi that gives the speech or the, the, the class you want to go to, you'll go there. But if it's, oh, the rabbi is coming who collects the tuition, I'll go the other way. Yeah. So it's same, uh, same as today. Yeah. It depends on it. Now, Rabbi so if one of them was your Rabbi, you have to go right. The rabbi disagreed with Rabbi Yudah. Rabbi Yudah says, automatically, if you have two possible directions and you decide that you're, that, and one of them is your teacher, so then you have to go with that one. You can't go with the other one. But the rabbi say, no, sometimes a person would rather hear a colleague's drasha. Maybe, maybe the colleague is speaking about a topic that he wants to hear or whatever. You know? So he, he wants to go and, and, and learn with his, his chavruta. Um, or he, or, or his chavruta, his, his colleague is giving a shiur or something, he wants to be part of it, so he, we don't know. He wants to go there, it's not so clear. Now, Amarav, Rav says, So it says, uh, Rav says, Our Mishnah is, um, is not authoritative because of something Ayo said. I like his name, he has the name Ayo. Where is he? That's what it means. Ayo. The Ayo, right? That's, 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 yeah, where is he? His name is Where is he? Very good. So whenever, they, whenever he was missing, his parents would say, Ayo. Maybe, maybe he was always running away. That's how we got that nickname. I don't know. Anyway, right from what Ayo taught. Because in Ayo's bright, that says that a person cannot make a tznai in two things like that. Meaning, he, he, he can put to Eruvin and he says, um, now Rashi explains it, he says, He can't do He can't leave the option up. He can put both things and say, whichever one the Chacham comes to, that's the one I intended. Right? I intend for whichever one the Chacham comes to, but he can't keep the option open to change his mind in the morning. He can't say, well, I decide this one. He can, he only has one. So, if you're, why can't he do the, the uh, why can't he keep his option open? Because, because you can't retroactively, this is an issue throughout means, can you choose things retroactively? Meaning, you leave, you, you set something and you say, tomorrow I'm going to decide which one, and retroactively takes effect. Right, so it says, So if that's the truth, so how can you do uh, How can you put one to the east and one to the west and say whichever one I'm going to choose, whichever one the Chacham comes to? That's also because the situation that clarifies the circumstance occurs afterwards. Right? That's the same thing. What difference does it make if the situation that clarifies what you meant is something you decide in the morning or something that happens in the morning? What's the difference? It says, ah, So it says, the Chacham already came. In other words, what does it mean? It means the situation already was. He just didn't know. In other words, Rashi says, in other words, he set up the Eruv saying, I don't, I, the Chacham might be here. They didn't have cell phones, right? They didn't have a way to communicate. So he put the Eruv there and said, I don't know if he came. Maybe he came to the east, maybe he came to the west. So he put both. All it is, is Gilui Milta. In other words, the idea is that whatever he's saying on Friday, 
whatever the reality is, that's what I, right now is what I intend. I just don't know. Right? And therefore he said, that's not Brewa. Brewa would be if the Chacham had not come yet or wasn't, or had not, you know, had not decided. Right. The, if I don't know, but the Chacham is already in one of the places, I just don't have a way to find out, then the situation is already established. It's a fact already. I'm just, I just don't know. So I can set up the both Eruvin and say, whichever one it is that he is there, that's the one I intend. I just don't know, but whatever it is, is Chal right now. As opposed to if I leave two of them and I say, he's not here yet and he decides to come to the west, oh, now it uh, affects the west. If he comes to the east, it affects the east. If he comes to Chachamim, come to both, it be both. If I decide in the morning, I change my mind. Then what's making the Eruv work uh, is something that happened after the Eruv was set up. You see the difference? In other words, if the situation was already in place, I just didn't know about it, that's not called Brirah. That just means I didn't know about it. But when I set the Eruv, one of them took effect immediately. I just didn't know which one it was because I didn't know which direction the Chacham had come, whether he had come to the east side or the west side. But if he hasn't actually shown up yet when I set up the Eruv, and later he, decide, he shows up in west or east, so then the situation that defined my Eruv happened afterwards, that would be a situation in Beirah, and that's a problem. And we're going to see in the upcoming Gemara that we'll start tomorrow that, uh, that Rabbi Yehuda, there's a problem. Because here Rabbi Yehuda is saying, I reject the idea of Beirah. You can't retroactively determine situations like that. And we'll see that this is a, 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 an issue in Halakha and many other uh, areas and topics as well.